With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's let's shift gears. Let's shift gears. You had on here some NBA talk. We're in the thick of the NBA season. Actually headed toward the All Star break. Um, just just give me your general what your general synopsis of the first half of the season. PhD, why don't you kick us off? Just what are some things that you've been watching and some trends that you've noticed, or interesting things that you got that you're that you're seeing about this season? Because we hadn't had a chance to talk NBA basketball um, in a minute since the season started pretty much. So what are your thoughts, PhD, on how the season has progressed thus far? I'm still in my feelings that Kyrie Irving is no longer with the Cavs. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, oh, we should have got some mourning first. <laughs> I was just saying, how long will they mourn me? <laughs> oh man and so in reality I'm not as concerned well I'm I'm still very concerned but I think I'm back to a normal healthier uh, acceptance that Kyrie is no longer there um, Thomas been back for a couple of games Figuring it out, it's going to take a little bit of time. The good thing is that I believe right now they're the second seed. Or they have the third best record in the East. Um, so, you know, they should still finish, you know, somewhere one, two, three in the East. Um, you know, one of the things that's been concerning is Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson was one of the things, he was one of the, the aspects that really made the Cavs special in terms of what he was able to do defensively and then give them extra possessions against the Warriors um, with his offensive rebounding. <laughs> Admittedly, I have not watched much of the Cavs this year I'm, because I'm in denial partly. But when I look at the stats and when I do occasionally watch a game, Tristan Thompson, you know, I know, he, I know he's coming back from injury, but he's played in roughly half the game so far this season. It's over 20 games. He's only playing about 18, 20 minutes a game. And it's concerning. I don't think they're going to have, well, first of all, they're not as good of a team as they were the last three years in the East. And the East has gotten better. Um, I mean, it's kind of a one plus one thing. <laughs> the best team lost their second best player. And now the team that's best, has the Cavs' second-best player from last year. I was going to say it was the Cavs' second-best player, but I caught myself. Therapy is helping. So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, fellas, I'm, I'm I'm really hoping for some type of trade deadline move here that's, that's just going to put some energy into this team. Um, LeBron, 
has been playing like an MVP, which is no different from the last ten years, really. Um, but I'm I'm just worried that they're asking too much from him, and um, the whole dynamic of the team is just so so different. So, and I'm just concerned. I really am. And uh, honestly, I know this doesn't help you, but you should be. Um, <laughs> when you look at when you look at teams like Golden State and San Antonio who have been through, like, consistent, long journeys into June and late May, um, as far as the playoff goes, they know how to manage their players during the regular season in a way that it just doesn't seem like the Cavs have figured out, one, how to have a roster where they have young developmental guys on the roster um, that can – log some minutes during the regular season, be developed so that they can maybe play a role in the series, in the playoffs. And Golden State's doing that. You see guys like Jordan Bell, Patrick McCall, Omri Caspi, guys like that who are playing. San Antonio's notorious for doing that. They have guys like uh, Brandon Paul and, and the Forbes kid, Brian Forbes from uh, Michigan uh, – was he at Michigan? Yeah, Michigan State. I mean, they got guys yeah. who they are developing in the regular season. They did it with Jonathan Simmons. Last year, they got guys that they're developing during the regular season to log some of the minutes on their big dogs so that they can play well down the stretch. And it just seemed like Cleveland is just wearing people out. Like, I feel like when you watch J.R. Smith, he looks like he just aged overnight. When you watch Tristan Thompson, he looked like he just aged overnight. And they have. They've played a whole extra season of basketball, probably two extra seasons of basketball at this point in this three-year stretch of making the finals. And so when you start logging all of that and you don't really have a plan of how to, like, fold in new guys and younger guys to be able to take some of the load off of these guys during the regular season, things just get stagnant and guys just get tired of each other. And it just seems like there's just, there's just like, a staleness to what Cleveland is doing because they haven't injected any youth, any new life. Yeah. Like, they bring in more vets. They bring in older guys. And when you bring in older guys, they're less likely to want to take a specific role on. They have a set way of playing, and they figure you brought them in to do what they've been doing for the last 12, 13 years. And so they're looking yeah. to do that. And with, new, with younger guys, you can mold them, you can grow them to fit into what you already have. And that's what San Antonio is great at. That's what, honestly, you're seeing the Clippers do that on the fly right now, where they're bringing in guys I ain't never heard of. Um, and they're having them play, and they're winning games, um, and these guys are figuring out how to play NBA roles and, and be contributors um, in the floor of the season. You know, and if the Clippers can get stay healthy and, and keep people out their locker room trying to come in and bust heads, um, <laughs> you, you might see them cause some problems in the playoffs with, you know, being able to do some different things from a lineup perspective. Boston does a great job of it. Boston, you see them playing, sometimes going to their 11th, 12th guy on a Tuesday night in January, which is what you should be doing, giving those guys some run, giving them some experience, giving them some, some tape to watch of themselves. Um, and Cleveland just doesn't seem to be committed to doing that in a way that is going to, one, help them in the playoffs, and two, like take some miles off of LeBron, which – you are right, PhD. This dude is, again, 
anybody still in the kind of holding out and being like, eh, he can't touch Mike. Ah, it's a, it's a legit conversation, man. It's a legit conversation. And you just have to start to own up to that now. It is a legit conversation that LeBron is the greatest player of all time. Um, championships or not, just what he's doing at the age that he's at and the mile that he's logged, um, it's freaking ridiculous, man. And for him to keep getting better, it, it's just sickening. It, it really is. And it, it's yeah. crazy how we're just ignoring it. <laughs> One of the things that's freaking me out a little bit is is David Griffith is no longer there, the general manager. And if he was there, I'd have a lot more confidence because the last few years, even if you go back the last seven years since LeBron's been in Miami, his team's going low. They do. And I've had a lot of confidence in uh, the leadership around those teams. And, you know, whether it was Pat Riley or or Griffith in terms of finding – um, you know, help around the trade deadline. This year I just, um, I don't know, I'm a little bit I'm unsure of how they're going to be able to figure things out. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't see great, they don't have uh, great trade chips. You know what I mean? They don't have great trade chips. They got love, but then you're dipping into your big three if you move love, and you're, you, you really got a big, like, a big, like, 1.9, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really a big three yet because Isaiah ain't right, and Love is just not really a big three type of guy right now at this point in his career. At least in in this context, he's not that. Um, and so, you know, you got your big 1.9, and if you trade Love, well, now you got, like, a 1.4. Um, and depending upon what you give back, really the best chip they got is that – Next pick, which is probably going to be just outside in this draft where you have, like, five to six really strong prospects, that pick probably is going to land at, like, seven or eight, which is just going to be outside of that. And ain't nobody trying to have a seventh or eighth pick. You know what I mean? They want one through six. And, you know, if you ain't got a one through six, you know, there's the kid from Arizona, Aiton. There's a kid from uh, Duke, um, Bagley. Uh, there's a kid from uh, overseas, Donkic, Donchic, who's supposed to be legit. You got the kid from Missouri, Porter, who was hurt. Um, you got the, the old boy from Oklahoma, Trey Young, with the mess up with the uh, elder barge curl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you know, so there's some cats out there that people view as franchise changers. Um, and then there's some other guys who have some talent after that. And they may need a couple years to cook. But, yeah, it, Cleveland just doesn't have any trade chips right now. And it, I, as you said, the East is catching up quickly. And, honestly, with Cleveland, they're in a very tough place because what kind of player do you go out and get? Do you try and trade for youth? Um, because we know LeBron isn't keen on that. Um, and is LeBron even going to stay? Uh, there's just a lot that's up in the air. In Cleveland, that they have to sort out from an organizational standpoint, that is hard to do on the fly when you don't know if LeBron is going to be there next year because that's a big piece of how you're going to shape this team, um, which is unfortunate because I think when you think about how Golden State, San Antonio, Boston, 
heck, even the Philadelphia 76ers, when they've built their rosters, they haven't been so dependent on the fortunes of one particular player. Um, they've been kind of like, they've kind of been out in front of that kind of stuff and able to have a plan, have a backup plan, um, and keep things rolling. Um, even OKC, they lost KD, but, you know, they still figured out how to construct a winning team after losing a top two player in the league. Um, Cleveland just doesn't seem to have that foresight and that framework to be able to figure out how they're going to survive at what direction they want to go if LeBron leaves. And they should have been thinking about this at his, at the start of his last deal. What's our exit plan if he decides he's going to bounce? And it just seems like they just never – they just always kind of bank on we got LeBron. And they just never have any sort of organizational foresight, in my opinion. Yeah, it, so part of, that's part of the issue, right? Because I think with those other teams, they have a long enough commitment from their stars that they can plan. And in some ways, LeBron has created a business model that worked, on, worked over some time, but I knew it was going to come to the point where it was going to stop working. Right? And I think they're at that point where they can't make the right moves and he can't make the commitment because they still don't trust each other. And I think that is ultimately where the problem is. You know, if they had a sense that LeBron was going to be here for two more years, you could probably be aggressive in different ways. And because LeBron is on this year-to-year thing, he doesn't want to bring in a young player who can't quite help them now. But if they were able to do that maybe a year or two ago, then maybe that young player might be where they need to be right now to help him. And so I think they're caught in this thing, this web, frankly, because there's no trust. And I think the only person, this goes back to Phil's point of view, that I think could have really helped is, is Griff. Like, I think he was building to a point where I think he could have managed that. And losing that in the front office, to me, was problematic. And you needed somebody in the front office who at times would sit down with LeBron and, and his guys and challenge him. And other times, the other times, to the owners, like, we need to be able to do that. They don't have that person. And I think that's where they're going to lose out to these other organizations that have continuity from the star player to the owner. That's true in Boston. That's true in Golden State. That's true in San Antonio. That's true in Houston. You know what I'm saying? And that is where LeBron is eventually really going to lose out. And and the gap is closing so much on these, particularly with Kyrie leaving, where he had that robin that he hasn't been able to fill, and they can't make a move that commitment because nobody's going to come knowing that LeBron's not going to be here for that long. So at some point, if Cleveland is the place, LeBron has got to signal to them, do what you need to do. And I don't know if that's going to happen. The other thing is that you, these young teams I've been looking at, I went and saw uh, Levine's return to Chicago the other night against uh, uh, Detroit. That Chicago team with Markin and, I mean, them young cats, John, I mean, Dunn closed that game out. I see tonight they, they lost to Golden State, but them cats 
are playing. I like that energy. I like these. Let me say this real quick. Uh, Let me say this real quick to Hammer and Mo Red and all these Bulls fans. And we was in the group chat, right? We was in the group chat in the summer. Man, made the Jimmy Butler trade, and I told him I was like, (laughs) just like chill. Like it's one is Jimmy Butler, right? It's Jimmy Butler. It's not like y'all traded KD. It's not like y'all traded Steph. It's not like y'all traded AD. All right, it's Jimmy Butler. He's like the top fifteen guy. Okay, you know. But I was like, listen, like Levine, like they was they was ready to chop people's heads and and jump off a cliff. And it's like just chill. Like let the young cats do what they got to do and see how it works out. The same thing with the Indiana trade. Like you know, both of those trades don't look as crazy as they did in in the summertime. And sometimes you got to let people play some basketball. and context matters. You know what I mean? Like, context matters. Just because a guy performs one way in one environment does not mean he's going to perform another way in another environment. And I think you're seeing that more and more nowadays in the NBA um, as coaching and, and teams start to evolve and understand how to leverage players' skill sets in different ways. Um, what a guy did in OKC, I mean, Oladipo, nobody, nobody see Oladipo doing this. And I can't pretend like Indiana did either. They bet not. But – I mean, you put a guy in a different context, in a different situation, and you're going to get different results. Um, and that's why I said Kevin Love doesn't look like a member of a big three in the context in Cleveland. doesn't mean he's not. Yeah. I think if you have the right framework and the right system, heck, even the Marcus all just look better now. Um, and we was all writing him off, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, but, all, but he, it's all about context. It, yes. And, and it was, I mean, what's interesting about this is what is great about this season is there's so many stories. There's so many, you know, in the NBA in a lot of franchises that there hasn't been hope. You know, we all, even though, you know, we have our top heavy team, I've been watching this with, there's so many stories. I mean, you think about what's happening in Milwaukee. I mean, even when I looked at my Pistons, I was watching them. I'm like, y'all need a point guard, but they got a lot of nice pieces around in other positions. There's a lot of hope in some places that in a way that hasn't existed in the league in a while, and there's a lot of young stars. Like, it's, just, it's loaded. I, you know, I'm sitting there, I watch a turn a game on, and I'm thinking, wow, okay, you know, yeah, this team is under five, but they got a lot of youth. You know, even about Philadelphia, I mean, that's the group that's got to get over the top. They're, they're sitting in a nice spot. But you think about where they were three or four years ago and where they are now. Um, Toronto's right. revamped the team. I mean, DeRozan is hitting three. I'm thinking uh, Toronto is another team. That's another team and another organization <laughs> yes. where you got the ownership and the GM and the coaches playing young guys in the rotation of a top three team in their conference with OG Ananobi, um, Siakam, yeah. Fred Van Vliet, our man Van Vliet, yeah. Rockford's own, Rockford's yeah. finest is, is getting ticked and contributing DeLon Wright, a kid who's out of Utah, 22, 23 years old, contributing. Yeah. Uh, the, old, the other kid from Utah, the big white dude, Pirtle, um, he's contributing. Yep. I mean, like, they're, they're working in these younger dudes into this old roster where your core has been together for, like, six years, and it's revitalized that team. And it's given that team a new, whole yeah. new identity. And that's what Cleveland has failed to do. And it's just kind of ridiculous because yeah. you watch other teams do it and Cleveland has just kind of stood past, stood past. I think the end game for Cleveland, and Phil, you might want to cover your ears. I think the end game is they're going to have to do a sign and trade for LeBron 
come the summertime. And the reason I think it's going to have to be a sign and trade. The reason I think it's going to have to if if LeBron's not going to stay, then they're going to have Be to do gentle, a sign man. and trade. Be because there's not a lot of money out there. It ain't a couple years ago when KD signed where everybody got cap space. LeBron's going to get 35, close to damn near 40 mil when he signs. He's going to get the max of the max. And so the other team is going to have to either get rid of pieces or send some pieces back to Cleveland. And honestly, if Cleveland feels like LeBron is going to bounce, then that's what they got to do to try and salvage uh, their franchise. Because if they just if he walks and they don't get anything, um, they're going to be behind. They're going they're going to go back to the bottom of the East um, for a while. Uh, and, and you don't blame really, them for not making you. And you don't blame them for not making moves, not knowing what LeBron is going to do. That's just that would just be irresponsible for their management. I know it's important right. to try and push for championships, but. They got what you're saying. They got to do that because ain't nobody really trying to go to Cleveland. Got to leverage whatever you can get to get something back. They got to use everything if if you're in management and in, in, uh, on that side of the ball because LeBron is not and rightfully so. He, but he ain't giving you nothing. And so here's the other piece. Hurt Where's he up? going? Yeah. Where's he going though? That's why I say it's got to be a sign and trade because I don't see a path him to go anywhere of consequence. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to L.A. because it's a mess. The Lakers are a mess. Uh, I don't really see him going to Philly because LA, basically... Because he's got a championship level Right, coach. you have to do I a sign of... So wherever he goes, he's going to have to be a sign of trade. He's not going to just be able to sign anywhere. So, I mean, I think yeah. in this situation, LeBron is kind of... I mean, I can see him doing another one-and-one, one, signing for a year with an option for a second. Um, but, again, does Cleveland want to be in that holding pattern again? Yep. And so it, I think that's, it, it's a tough spot yeah. to be in for the Cavs. Wow. <laughs> Phil, Phil's over here, like, getting emotional. <laughs> I said it comes to your ears, man, because I yeah, don't want yeah. pass for them to rebuild this team. What are your thoughts on that, PhD? It's uh, so Kevin Love has been playing better, and that is encouraging to me. He's putting up twenty and ten right now, um, but now instead of Kyrie, you have a five foot nine point guard who the Celtics didn't even want to pay money to. So you just um, you don't have the chips you had. Oh. Kyrie leaving. Okay, I won't go there. Okay, it hurts. I will. It hurts. It hurt. And so, so here's the thing. I think when you have the best player, you always have a shot. You always Correct. have a shot. And I've not watched a ton of NBA this year, but I still feel as if LeBron James is the best player still. You may make an argument that, that there may be one or two players that may win the MVP over him, but that's fine. That's happened the last couple of years and throughout the playoffs. Generally speaking, we see that LeBron James is the best player. Now, that gap has closed quite a bit over the last few years, and you know people may argue that KD and other people are getting closer um, or even surpassed them, but talk to me after June. We can have that conversation. 
LeBron can Jedi mind trick through the East. The thing about this is he can't Jedi mind trick Golden State uh, because Durant is just saying, hey, y'all can't do nothing with me. And so unless they can get more athletic, the problem I look at them, they're not athletic. Like LeBron is like their most athletic wing, but he's, he's older, right? And so they're not – they don't have the youth and the athleticism, it feels like, to be as versatile as they need to be against Golden State. But he can Jedi mind trick all the way through the East. It might be some seven-game series. It could be whatever. But he can Jedi mind trick. The problem is he can't Jedi mind trick Golden State. And I think that is where, at the end of the day, he's got to be built to, to compete against them. And I think that's where not having that youthful energy, not having somebody who can be that run, that in, in doing with some of the things I know, Marcus, you've laid out, that's, he's part of the problem why they can't do that because you can't make those kind of commitments if he don't make a commitment. So nobody's blinking. And I think that's the, the struggle they got right now. And at a certain point, the, the the sand goes out the hourglass. I think that's the part where you don't want to have come up. I don't see that coming right now, but it could be coming soon. And that's the part that I, and, I think and that's what you need to organize. So somebody's got to so trust Phil was talking about, huh? And that's Phil, and and I think that's where Phil was spot on in talking about the type of organizational leadership that they need yeah. in, in Cleveland, where you do yeah. see them making moves, and it's under the radar stuff. Like they, you just don't ever see them unearth a gem in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like you hear about, you know, teams finding guys. You know what I mean? And, and finding a guy from, you know, the D League or wherever, and now he's in the rotation. And he may not be a, a top seven guy, but he's eight or nine, and he he's contributing on a weekly basis. And you just never hear about Cleveland unearthing a gem or developing somebody. You know, they kind of play that 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 role of like we're just gonna get a known commodity and, and throw him in. And honestly, that's what was hurting Doc Rivers with the Clippers when he was uh, running the Clippers. And now that he's not running the Clippers, you see that the Clippers are now going out and finding kids, young young guys who can come in and fill gaps, you know what I mean, and play roles where Doc was always like, well, let me go sign Jeff Green. Now, you already signed Jeff Green three times. And I'm a Georgetown guy. I love Jeff Green. Right? Jeff Green's a Hoyer. But stop signing Jeff Green. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Green is not your answer at the small forward position. <laughs> All right? Jeff Green is not the answer at the small forward position. Okay? <laughs> now let's move on. <laughs> and, and that's why the low balling of Chauncey the worst thing they could have done. Because someone like Chauncey could possibly build the bridge to LeBron to get him to do – because you need someone like that that he trusts in the front office. And when you lowball Chauncey, that sends another message to LeBron. And so, again, I think, you know, they didn't sign Griffin back. Now, I don't, I don't think there's anybody in the front office that might be wrong that they trust. And without that trust, and I think they had built a trust with Griff and trusted his moves. And so I think that you're right, that organization culture, not having it and, you know, not being able to get Chauncey, lowballing him which, again, was a problem with someone who could probably fill that gap. So I, you know, I don't know if this new guy that they got there has built enough trust to be able to do this, but unless you get some commitment and some trust, I think, again, you know, LeBron going to be LeBron. He's going to Jedi mind trick him. But to get over the hump against Golden State, he needs some runners. 
And sometimes what you got to be on a style like that. What you think is not going to work. I need this guy over here. He's going to help you. Go ahead, PhD. Where did Chauncey end up going? Did he get a job? Uh, no, nah, he, he ended up going right back to the booth. I mean, he, yeah, he's he yeah. back in the booth with ESPN. So, see, I'm not too concerned about the, Ch- the, the Chauncey thing. I'm just not. I'm not going to get all excited about a first-time guy who has no front on no front office experience, um, and all of a sudden he's going to be the difference. I, I just, but that doesn't that doesn't really move me that much. It doesn't. It's not about it's not about him being the first time guy. It's about having somebody in the front office and LeBron trust. Because if you're going to move it, you got to. It's more about that trust factor than the other pieces. And if you don't have somebody in the front office that LeBron trusts, LeBron will keep his stuff close to the chest. And I felt like Griff was, was developing a relationship with LeBron's people to enough where they trusted his moves and, his, and that he had, he was able to be enough of a mediator between them and the owner and challenge on both sides. I felt like it felt like he was getting to that spot and then he was pulled out and now you have nobody there to do it. I think the trust piece is more important because LeBron's smart. LeBron can run some things. He can help. But if you ain't got a mediator in there to help run that stuff, then, then you're not going to get the kind of moves that we're talking about. You're not going to get the kind of player that you got to say, look, you need a guy like this. You don't need that. And, yeah, he's only a third-year guy, but this is what he can do, and this is the energy he's going to get. You need somebody who can say that, and they don't have somebody like that. And that's why they'll keep getting a Jeff Green. That's why they'll keep getting – like everybody they got should be on the ARP list. You know, so and they, 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 they want triple threat position move from pulling hamstring. Here's a question I want to throw <laughs> out: Is is Ty Lue? <laughs> is Ty Lue the guy to get this done? Yeah. Is he the right guy as a coach? Yeah. Oh. I'm just asking. I don't know. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. I, I don't have any sort of like predetermined thing to say. I'm just asking a question, like. How much of a role, or like sometimes if you're not helping, you hurting. You know what I mean? Like there's certain times where you have to move the needle, and you can't just be in neutral. And is Ty Lue sitting in neutral when he needs to be moving the needle, and he's not moving the needle any direction, um, but definitely not in the forward. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is he the right guy for this? Because um, the reason I ask nah. is. Everybody touted Jay Crowder coming there as uh, the main get, right, in, this, um, in the trade, the Kyrie trade. Um, and I just I haven't seen it. I just haven't seen him no, playing well. You know what I mean? Contributing in the way that you would think he would contribute. And is that, is that Crowder? Is that his role? Is that what he's being asked to do? You know what I mean? And how in relation to how he fits in with the team, has that been defined for him? I'm sure something's been defined for him, but is it the right role that's been defined for him? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's on Ty Lue. Um, when you go back to developing guys for their roles, like that's on Ty Lue and his staff. Like, are you, are you getting the best out of what you got? You don't have a question that Pop is doing that. You don't have a question that Kerr is doing that. There's no question that Brad Stevens is doing that. And these are your main competitors, right? So 
are you is Ty Lue getting like when a guy goes and plays for Ty Lue, do you ever see that guy play his best basketball of his career? Other than LeBron James, <laughs> to this point we cannot say it may, maybe Kyrie. I mean, but then you gotta compare Kyrie in Cleveland to Kyrie in Boston and is he playing better in Boston? He's playing better in Cleveland. That's up for debate. But there hasn't been a dude that has come in, played for Ty Lue, and everybody's been like, yo, Ty Lue turned that dude's life around and made his career where you can count, like, five guys offhand, Brad Stevens, Popovich, Steve Kerr, where they've gone into their environment and blossomed and become valuable pieces to really good teams. And, again, that's what I see the most, and that's what's the most alarming about. That's what I would be most worried as a Cleveland fan is that I just don't see any sort of, like, our window is closing and there's nothing, there's no daylight coming in. You know what I mean? Like, there's no daylight coming into this window as it's closing on us. And I wouldn't be comfortable with that as a Cleveland fan. And, and then I'm looking around the rest of the league, like, you know, even a guy like Dwayne Casey, who last year people would have said probably was going to get fired, he switched up his whole Steve. You know what I'm saying? Like, he switched up the whole way he coaches his team and his, the whole structure of their offensive system. And they're playing younger guys. They're using different skill sets now. They're playing different kind of lineups. And it's working. And you watch a cat like Doc Rivers, who lost CP3, has got a, a hodgepodge of guys right now, uh, all types of injuries. But what they're doing is working. And it's just like, that's coaching. That's coaching, that's organization. And Kobe Altman is new, but Ty Lue been there. Um, and, again, at some point, is Ty Lue just one of those dudes that can coach a veteran team, or can he be with you through the good times and the bad times? Is he a keeper? You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's some girls you date when you when you on top of the world. They ain't hanging around when stuff get when stuff get rough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you lose that first gig, they trying to bounce. And you know, you need mm-hmm. somebody that's gonna ride or die, and, and be there through thick and thin. And I don't know if uh, Ty Lue is the coach that can do that because he just hasn't shown the acumen to be able to to get guys into roles. I mean, still with Kevin Love. They're still trying to figure out how to utilize Kevin um, in a way that his production and impact looks similar to what we saw before he got there. You know what I mean? How, I was going to ask you, how much is that the fact that LeBron is so ball-dominant? So in some of those other scenarios, you have folks who um, have created more movement and then created more opportunities for people to – to be expanding a game into what, how much does that play into the greatness of LeBron? I'm not saying that's bad about ball, but how much of it has to do with so much centered around LeBron, and which was part of Kyrie moving to Boston? Do you, do you see in, in him trying to manage that? So, and, and that's that's the double-edged sword of this, and that's that's the thing that I think you haven't seen yet in some of the other top with some of the other top teams is that star players have input but star players don't dominate the conversation. And I think with LeBron and Cleveland, because of their lack of an organizational culture, is that LeBron yeah. controls the conversations in Cleveland. And so you can't 
sit LeBron down if you tie Lou and be like, listen, Bron, all right, we you got the ball in your hand seventy percent of the time. We gonna free we gonna we want that to be a more fifty five, all right. And then the other time you were on the court, we're running you off screens. We're trying to get you set up in post ups. We're getting you the ball off dribble handoffs. You know what I mean? We're having you be a screener. Yeah. We're having you do some different things where we're moving you around like the king chess piece that you are, so that one we're not having you log those minutes on your legs just bringing the ball off the court. Uh, we're also getting other guys into the flow and into the rhythm, and we're utilizing other people's skill sets and leveraging other people's skill sets to make us go. The thing I will say is that despite that, Cleveland still has really good ball movement when they're playing well. And when they were killing mm-hmm. last year in the playoffs, their ball movement is great. Like LeBron can set off a chain uh, of passes yeah. that will lead to an open shot. Um, the problem is you just don't see the creativity in, in, in how he is getting in, how he's getting the ball, where he's getting the ball. Um, usually he's bringing it up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where they could be more creative. But you have to sell LeBron on that if he's not buying in. And I don't know, is he not buying in? Is he not being asked to do it? That I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I, that I, that's a conversation that I don't have the ins and outs to because um, I'm not a, in their organization. I'm not in their locker room. So, But those are the and things that you that, ask yourself when you're watching them play. And one thing I think he has missed the opportunity is, and I think this was several coaches, and the coaches I think have figured it out, is how they expanded some of those roles. Doctors is really well is in the second unit. So when LeBron comes to the bench, that is where you begin to experiment and expand roles. And through seeing that, someone LeBron is just like, oh, this kid can do this, right? So and and to what extent do you just Crowder become much more of a significant part of your second unit? and where he's beginning to get his expansion. And through LeBron sitting on the bench watching that, he begins to see, okay, this, he can do more. Because sometimes that's how you, you get your star to see that I can do more. He could be doing this on the court with you, but i got to create an opportunity when you're not on the court. How do I get him able to do this when you're on the court? And I don't see sometimes the use of that second unit as a way of expanding people and, and doing some of the things that you say. And so that stars can even see that, wow, I need to – I need to figure out how to make sure he can get that shot or get that opportunity when I'm on the floor. Right. And it comes back to Ty Lue or whoever. I mean, maybe it's Ty Lue, maybe it's just, I don't know. But it comes back to the fact that the, who's in the second unit? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, who are you, who, who, who have you developed to be a part of your second unit at this point? Like, I really liked the Kay Feltner pick a couple years ago, the kid from, uh, I think, Oakland um, University. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that that was a guy who they could develop like a Booby Gibson, Mo Williams type yep. guard. And I thought Jordan McCray was decent. Um, and I thought that they had a plan for him. And it's just kind of – they kind of give up on guys real quick. Um, or they have to move guys out because they're bringing in another vet. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think you've got to create your own vets. And you got to create guys. You got to you got to mold guys into the role you want them to play instead of trying to find a guy and force him into a role. Um, and that's what when you talk about second units, who will be a part of the second unit? I don't really see them having a great bench, you know. And that's been a big problem is that they don't have a great bench. And when LeBron, honestly, when LeBron is off the court, their on-off numbers are pretty. Uh, there's a pretty drastic change. The delta in them on-off numbers is kind of crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Derek Rose is coming yeah. back. <laughs> right, so D Rose is coming back. Yeah, D Rose is coming back. And you got Isaiah coming back. And you got Shump coming back. And, you know, Tristan just came back. And so that's the other piece is like, okay, Ty Lue, can you put this puzzle together, you know, over the next two or three months so that guys well, you just can understand how they feel? No, you can't. Even Kardashian. So what do you do? I mean, exactly. Ty Lue wasn't planning for that. I'm telling you, if Van Gundy can get mad all he wants, that's real. <laughs> I. That's real out here. That Kardashian curse is real. I don't care what Jeff Van Gundy say. I don't care what he's talking about. That Kardashian curse is a real thing, man. No brother has survived it. It's real. No brother has survived it. Kanye still trying to figure his life out. I ain't even going to get on him. I owe him. Out of respect, I'm going to leave that one alone. Leave it alone. That brother been struggling Man, leave them Kardashians alone. Anybody seen Reggie Bush? I'm just asking. Any of y'all seen Reggie Bush? They said he, they said he married somebody who looked like him. So he, uh, he Miles, Miles Austin. Anybody seen Miles Austin? Witness protection program. I'm saying. I'm saying. Chris Humphreys. Anybody heard from Hump? Anybody heard from Hump? <laughs> out, there with Jimmy, out there with Jimmy Hoffa. He out there with Jimmy Hoffa. He was in Jersey for Listen. a minute and disappeared. Listen, this is real. All right, <laughs> this is a real thing. Okay, <laughs> this ain't no coincidence. All right, <laughs> we need to we need to send out a memo. Uh... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.